This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant. Say hi, Evan. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Great. You know, we're coming off our, our big appearance last night at Cane Rosa. Rosso. Which is Italian for red dog. Red dog. But uh, also, it's American for good pizza. Good pizza, yeah. But uh, we did a uh, uh, Rangers uh, pre-spring training roundtable for the second straight year. Um, uh, this year, we featured a conversation with Willie Calhoun. Uh, Who was great, by the way. Yeah, Willie's refreshingly... Um, energetic candid uh made the people laugh we had a nice crowd there um and uh and then uh, another round table with uh, chuck morgan on the stadium and uh what people can expect and and what they may uh what they may really be drawn to at the new at the new ballpark uh one of the things that, that struck me about uh, what Willie was talking about was when we were talking about analytics, and uh, and he just you know he just kind of of course he's a young kid and says these things, and he just kind of just put it right out there that I think there's some guys in this clubhouse that that's just never gonna have an impact. I, I was wondering, and I was thinking about that. We didn't. I don't want to press him. I don't want to get him in trouble with the guys in the clubhouse. Uh, but uh, I would think that maybe one of those guys is no longer uh, with them. And, and, and I, when, when I say that they, they won't ever do it, I'm not saying that they're not trying to do it, and I'm not, I don't think he was saying that either, but I do think he was saying, yeah, there are guys, man, this is, this is too much, uh, what they're asking us to do. And, and I think the two guys that really embraced it last year, other than a Chew, who probably Chew's always embraced it, and I again, yeah. I, I don't think that you know some of the we're, we're making some of it out to be rocket science, and I think for guys who want to go as deep as they can, there's there's that level there, but I think that um, you know Chew's got a professional approach. He's oh, basically yeah. got the uh, the um, the scheme that they want down. You know, know your know your know your hitting zones, know what uh what you're liable to be thrown um and, and know the situation and and choose always controlled that uh really really well yeah he has and it, but the two guys to me that were willing to embrace this thing two young guys were joey gallo and willie calhoun and those two guys had significant seasons uh joey until he got hurt anyway had a really a real breakthrough and Willie really showed, uh, I think, after he'd been given uh, you know the keys, uh, showed that hey, yeah, I'm I'm a guy who can play every day. I I I think that's that's true. Um, I, I think there were. Uh, listen, I, I believe Rugnet Odor tried to embrace it, and in some respects, there were some successes. He had a career rate, career high walk rate. His walk rate went up significantly, um, but in other cases, he simply couldn't repeat 
the the swing changes that they that they made with him and uh, he struggled and and with a lot of guys you know that we are changing generations mm-hmm. um, in baseball and for a lot of guys and, and I think in, in particular you know this club went very strong on Latin American kids in in the early uh, part of the la- of the last decade and those were guys that were all projectionable and and big skills guys. They were raw skills guys, um, and now it's more about kind of. I, I think we're seeing a skew back towards, unfortunately, what is how so many kids in, in in this country are brought up on baseball now, which is get yourself a swing instructor at age eleven, go for lessons, watch video, and so the the game is 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 moved a little bit in that direction. I think some of those players have had some some issues catching up. Some of those players are, you know, are right on the on, on, on the learning curve. Um but yeah, it, it it's clear that that we didn't see big steps forward from Nomar Mazar, who is the player I think you were referring to. Uh we didn't see a step forward in terms of production from from Rugnet Odor last year. And I, I, I think that the the guy who who went backwards probably the most was was Elvis Andrus, who saw a career low rate in walks and saw you know, a, a kind of a dramatic spike in in the number of ground balls that he that he hit at a time when people are driving the ball more than ever. Yeah, I th- I think uh, what uh, what the, we can look at this as is you know uh, after a hundred years of watching baseball, playing baseball, watching baseball, whatever, um, you 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 look at these guys and you think, All right now, what when a guy has a, when a guy starts out his career, what determines whether he's going to be an everyday player, a star player, a superstar player. What determines that? Well, we always just thought that was just your ability, right? Right. You know, ability that, and, you know, the word that I've come to hate is projectable, but it's it's a scouting word, right? You've got to look at a 16 or 17-year-old and say, okay, if he maxes out skills, what's what's, what's he going to do when his, body, when his body changes and matures? Yeah. So I think what we're seeing now, though, is that um, let's take a guy like Nomar Mazzara, uh, who for three years, and he, he, his numbers were better last year. Uh, his OPS was better last year than it had been the previous. But really remarkable, remarkably similar seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, not much of, a, of an improvement. Mm-hmm. Forgot 20, even though he's still just 25 years old. Um, and I think that what we're seeing is, is that, no, this, this is what it is. If these guys are not willing to do the things that and, – and when we say willing to, I, I want to stress what that means. It's like I don't think that all the time – I think there was some like, man, I'm not doing this. I, I think I think that guys came around a little bit, uh, okay, I'll give it a shot. But there's a difference between that and embracing it. Right. There's a difference between that and saying – like when Willie said last night, the, the thing that was uh, I thought was really uh, good is when he said, you know what? You just have to put your ego aside. I put yeah. my ego aside. Here's the guy that came in. Now, listen, of all those young guys, uh, the guy to me who had the best approach was Willie. Mm-hmm. You know, a good short stroke, you know, quick back, quick hands. This is almost pretty foolproof and uh, already. And he was a, you know, I in my estimation, pretty advanced hitter. The question with Willie was always going to be, is he going to be in shape to do this? Is he going to be able to play the outfit? Does he have a position 
what can you do with him otherwise? Um, and and Willie was able to say all that. And even and even when they talked about how they said that you know, he didn't have his uh, his knuckles lined up on his on his bat in his grip, you know, they said, hey, you're not even holding the bat right, right. you know. And so and so Willie's able to put all that aside. And th- and that's to me that's the deal. You have to put your ego aside and say, I believe that you can help me. And and look, I know that's difficult because it does fly against everything we've ever heard. I remember when Rudy Harmeo was the Rangers hitting coach and, and a very successful hitting coach. But I, And I talked to him several times about what it is that you're trying to do with these guys. And he says, you know, I'm not trying to reinvent any of them. I'm trying to take what they do best, and we're going to take what they do best and go with that. You know, and that's what he did with a guy like Jeff Bagwell, who had the most complicated swing in the history of baseball. But now there is a little bit more, a little bit more dramatic breakdown, I think, for guys. I mean, there is kind of a we see some teaching of this is the optimal science. Now, guys have different setups and and, and things like that, but what's what with that setup is the optimal swing path. Sure. And, and there's there's some data that right now seems to suggest this is this is a good swing path for you. Um, this is how you get to that swing path, and that's why Willie's Willie's grip had to had to change. Uh, and and yeah, I, I think that um, in in talking with him uh, at length about this last night uh, at, at our at our event, I, I feel like he he did show that you've got to and. and I'm jumbling sentences together here, but everybody does face this because you always want to revert to what's comfortable, what you feel comfortable with, what you feel like, okay, I can get some degree of success here. Uh, Even if it's not as much success as I could potentially get another way, I can get enough to get by. Uh, And and to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to change all of these things from bat weight, which he changed, to how he swung the bat, to how he gripped the bat, that's you know that is what what in the psychotherapy world we talk about the the growth zone is when you're willing to step out of that comfort zone and do stuff that's uncomfortable that you may fail at on on at least initially and maybe repeatedly but in order to make growth you you step into that zone and it's a difficult thing for anybody to do uh, at any age and and so I I do applaud him and I applaud Joey for that and and I think that that's where I really feel like that's where Elvis Andrus is at a career kind of crossroads because he's he's got to go, he's got to find a way to catch up offensively. He is now an old man, relatively speaking, at a young man's position at shortstop. Twelve home runs doesn't really cut it if you're not a a Gold Glove caliber shortstop because I think there were about a hundred guys who hit more than ten home runs last year. So. Um, maybe more than that, um, but that's the. It also comes at different points for different guys, right? Elvis has a ten-year career of being a moderately successful major league ball player, and maybe it's a little bit harder at that point to break that down and say, okay, I've got to, if I want to extend my career long term, I've got to be willing to do some things dramatically different. Well, I think the thing with Elvis is that. Uh and, and God love him. You know, everybody loves Elvis. He's a great guy. Uh, he's he's a he's a team player. He's great in the clubhouse. He's a lot of energy and all of that. And those are all great things. Uh, but throughout his career, Elvis has had to be reminded pretty consistently. Hey, man, you got to pay attention all the time. You got to pay attention in the field on every pitch. You're the shortstop. 
These are things you just have to do. And Elvis has never really been, in my estimation, serious-minded enough about his craft. He's he's a fun, you know, I don't want him to be a serious guy. He's, he's a fun guy, and that's an important thing in a, in a long baseball season to be that guy. But you have to be serious about your craft, and you have to all the time. And and you know you you just talked about home runs, and that's an issue with Elvis. Because look, you know, throughout the first, I was also wrong. There were um, two hundred and seventy-three guys with ten or more home runs last year. Yeah, well, I, he's not going to hit a lot of home runs. You know, in the in two thousand seventeen, he hit twenty, which was almost as much as he'd hit in the last five years before that the thing for me with Elvis is is that he's got to hit doubles uh and and if we look back at his track here uh starting about 2014 he hit 35 doubles 34 doubles 31 44 that's all good that year he hit 44 was in 2017 when he hit 20 home runs that's 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 good stuff but then in 2018 he hits 20 doubles uh and he he was out a little bit more then last year he just hit 27 in in 648 plate appearances you know that's terrible. You know the twelve home runs is is bad enough, uh, but twenty seven doubles and six hundred forty eight plate appearances. That's that's yeah. Terrible. He he fell back into the habit last year of chasing base hits, mm-hmm. um, which is not necessarily where the game's at right now. It's about getting on base or about doing damage. And you know, the, in, in some ways, just trying to trying to battle for those hits and make what amounted to weak contact and easy outs, it, it just doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, he has got to the, – the, the big thing about that 2017 season was clearly the 68 extra base hits. That's you, – I don't care how you divide them up yeah. for him. Right. Uh, because he's an instinctive base runner. He can take out he – mm-hmm. he can create some extra bases – um, he can. He knows how to run the bases. If the, if this guy gets sixty eight extra base hits, divide them up however you want. Fifteen home runs and fifty doubles. That's fine. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, there's got to there's got to be more there. It's, it you can't. You certainly cannot get by if you're if you're on the older edge of shortstops. You can't get by anymore. Um, with a two seven a soft two seventy five batting average and a and a seven hundred OPS. You've got to you've got to rake or you've got to make your your mark at a premier defensive position by being a gold glove finalist year in and year out. And Elvis has never been a gold glove finalist. No, and that's kind of really what he was coming up as. Right. That's what he was supposed to be. I don't want to I don't want to dump on Elvis too much. we've kind of done that. No, idea. but I, I do think, but, you know, I we just we're less than a week from the start of spring training. In fact, pitchers and catchers report next week. And uh, you know we started our series this week in in on digital and and what we'll run in the print version of five issues going into the spring and I think for for the Rangers Elvis Andrus and Rugnet Odor this spring uh, are the sing is the singular biggest question about this club because if you don't have a good middle of the diamond productive offensively and defensively uh, you know as I said you're, you're you're it's your spine and if you don't have anything there you're 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 a spineless club and. And, and so this team had the worst composite war from second base and shortstop of any team in the big leagues last year. It has got to get better. And if it doesn't, because of the long-term financial commitments to both those players, the Rangers are in a really tough spot. Yeah, that's what you know. we talked about. I was reading something on the ESPN uh, uh, the other day. David Schoenfeld had something about uh, just talking about each club and talking about how, you know, the going into this season and, and – uh, 
you know, just about how bad the position players were, you know, offensively, you know, pretty much across the board. I think ESPN had the uh, had the Rangers lineup ranked twenty fourth of thirty uh, of, of of thirty everyday lineups, and and yeah, I think taken as a whole, right now the 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 lineup is weak. Uh, we talked about uh, or or on the weaker side. We talked uh, at our event last night on Monday night about the the offensive strength appears to be the outfield, and it could be a very good offensive outfield. Um, the there's a lot of room for growth on the infield if Elvis and and Rugned, uh, do have a bounce back. Well, they really can't be. They to be honest, they can't be much worse than they were last year. No. So so they should have some kind of of uptick there. If Todd Frazier gives you an average offensive season at third base, that's acceptable. Now you've got to get average for offense at first base, and that's going to be the big question right now. They didn't sign a big-time free agent for one of those corner free corner uh, positions. Um, they're either looking at Ronald Guzman uh, or a Ronald Guzman, Sam Travis, or Ronald Guzman, Nick Solak kind of uh, platoon there. And I, it's, it's funny. I talked to Chris Woodward last week about the idea of a Solak-Guzman uh, uh, platoon there. And one thing that I didn't think about that he brought up is, you know, you go from from Guzman, who's six seven with an incredible wingspan, uh, to Nick Solak, who may be a little bit on the short end to play first base. Period. And now all of a sudden, you know, from day to day, your infielders are going to have to change their target dramatically. Mm-hmm. That could create some issues too, some throwing issues. Sure. Well, I mean, that was the deal last year. I, I, I've made the point this spring that you know that. Uh, Defensive metrics at first base don't matter as much as they do at other positions. They don't. But I, I do think, you know, last year when we when we saw Danny Santana, who's not a tall guy either, playing first base, uh, he had other issues. He had issues with everything, I thought, over there. And I, I'm just still amazed at the – and I don't know what the feeling is. I, I know what John Daniels thinks. I know, I know John Daniels loves the idea of Danny Santana being a utility player. And – uh and what I don't understand about that is uh, when – do we not think a center fielder is important? Do we not think it is a premium position? And if you think this guy can play a premium position, if you think this guy can hit 25 home runs, uh, have, have an 800 OPS, that would, that would rank him among – if he's as good defensively as I think he could be because he's fast, you know, he's got a good arm – that would rank him among the top 10 center fielders in baseball. Is that not more important than a super utility player? Yes. Um, and, and I I mean, I listen, at, at this point in time, if the Rangers go out and add a center fielder, it's going to be somebody along the lines of Gerard Dyson or Kevin Billy Pillar. Hamilton or Kevin Pillar. And quite frankly, Based on the numbers I've looked at on, on Kevin Pillar, the defense seems to be regressing sharply. I'm sure it is, and he's he's getting older. He's older. I might I might go for one of those two speed guys, Dyson or or, or Hamilton. Um, but my point is, Danny's your center fielder. I mean, I think that you go you, going forward, Danny is your center fielder. In a perfect world, if you had a center fielder, mm-hmm. if you had an everyday center fielder who was a center fielder. And you were able to move Danny into a super utility role where maybe one day a week he DH'd, but you also basically platoon him with both Elvis and Rugi in the middle of the diamond. Now you're talking about really getting, he becomes Ben Zobrist at that point in time. Maybe. I, here's my problem with all of that. 
and I'm just going to go back to this. How many center fielders got an 800 OPS in baseball? Not many. Not many. And and Billy Hamilton is not going to do that. Gerard no. Dice is not going to do that. Uh, Kevin Pillar is not going to do that. They keep talking about adding guys like that who are true center fielders, but who are also older guys who, as we know, center field – Center fielders, center fielders don't age well. Right. So uh, I, I just, I'm just amazed at that. Why would you want to take away a guy who could put up those kind of numbers and not? And he's, so he's not going to play every day. There's no way you can get him in the lineup every day as a super utility player. You you can come close to that, but the but there's only one in my mind. There's only one Ben Zobrist, and 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 that's the issue is that he had the mental capacity to to take this, the security, the confidence to do it. We're talking about a guy, Danny Santana, who until this until last season had taken a nosedive from his rookie season in Minnesota, and it, there was a feeling that uh, that he lost his confidence, and he and uh, and uh, because of his defense, he wasn't playing well. And when I saw him play last year, playing shortstop and playing not so much second base, but certainly at shortstop and at first base, I didn't like what I saw. So I thought if, the, the, if, when if he you, played at shortstop, I thought he looked terrible at the position. If you took. Uh... It's interesting. If you took these are just qualifiers. So these are guys who had 300 plate appearances at, at in center field or more. Um, and Danny did not have 300 plate appearances in center field. Um, there were 24 guys in the big leagues last year, mm-hmm. and the midpoint would be Jackie Bradley, yeah. who was a 737 OPS hitter in center field, um, and who is exceptionally available right now yes, for Boston, uh, but also carries an 11 million dollar salary. Right. Uh, the guy just ahead of him. Was Pilar at seven forty one? Um, if you took a guy and he had an eight hundred OPS uh, from at the position, he'd rank uh, in the top in the top uh, the top nine. Uh, I'm sorry, the top eight uh, behind a pretty good group. That's Trout, uh, Kettle Marte, uh, George Springer, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ramon Laureano, Starling Marte, and Brett Gardner. Um, so you, you'd have an upper tier guy. Now the, the, the question, I think the question the Rangers still have about Danny is, um, can he do it? Can he repeat? Absolutely. And I, listen, I've got that, uh, that question too, but let's give him a chance. Right. Let's, well, let's see him take this opportunity, let him play a full spring in the center field, uh, in center field and not be moving him around all the time. I, I just watched the guy play, you know, to me, uh, you, when you watch people play, baseball and get an idea of what they're going to do i'm, I'm telling you my, my i think scouting they're pre- skills. I, I think at this point they're pretty committed to danny in center oh i think they i yeah. think they are but i, I just know what i know what, what john daniels is telling me you know and and i can i can see what he what he you know i i i, I, I and i wrote about this last year during the season i struggle with this whole thing of, of the you know the, the super utility player when i see a guy who has the ability, real ability, to play several positions and be a good offensive player at all those positions, well, then okay. Uh, but I don't see that many guys with that ability. When you talk about Danny Santana's ability to play other positions. And, and I would say this. with He doesn't play them well. With the 26th man, with that yeah, change to the roster, absolutely, you have the ability, especially since you can't carry more than 13 pitchers at any one time, you're going to carry an extra position player and – ability for guys to specialize in a singular position among your among your regulars or your top 10 position players uh is is more um it's more available than than ever before sure so, it is. Yeah, um absolutely. i i just think that uh I, I agree with you there i think you know 
there's there, there there remain two ways to look at it. I, I think that the Rangers feel there are probably better defensive center fielders out there than Danny. Yeah, um, probably. He's probably not um, what you would call an everyday top tier elite center fielder. No. Um, and so, does he profile best on a championship team? as a super utility guy who could play five days a week with two of them in center, two of them in the infield, and one at DH? Yes, but here's the thing. They don't have championship players at all those other positions yet. So Danny has earned the right to play every day, and the position where he fits best is in center field. Now I think the Rangers still have to find a a backup. Solak is going to take some fly balls in center field, has been working there. Um Scott Heineman is certainly a candidate, but it would not surprise me if in the next week the Rangers sign somebody to a minor league contract, maybe somebody like Billy Hamilton, just to have to have as an option for a potential backup. Sure, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's a great idea. Uh, uh, I don't I don't want to get us bogged down too much in just the Danny Santana talk. It's just kind of a, an issue with me. I'm, I'm still just mystified by it because I do think now. Look, there's some there are some really good outfields out there. You know, there's some really good outfields in the AL West. Uh, but if you go left to right, uh, you know, Willie Calhoun, Danny Santana, Joey Gallo, that makes you competitive with anybody else. Yeah. If they all look, if they all match their numbers over a full season from last year, that's as good an offensive outfield as there is in the American League. Yeah, I, I think so. And and uh, uh, so that, that's that's a uh, that's why you know if you can fix something and you got one area fixed, let's fix it. Right. And not screw. And I, I don't. Th- uh, yeah, I, I. I think that's what's going to happen. Now the, the question is to me still uh, on the you know uh, in the infield. You know, obviously the left side is is fixed. You know, so, semi fixed, patched, let, patched. Let's say that. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Nolan Arenado deal is dead? Um, I, I think that. I think any deal for Nolan Arenado at the current moment is in a state of suspended animation. Yeah. Um, it's like Ted Williams' head. Um, wow. Let's so, not bring Ted's head into this. Uh, I, I, that should be a band's name, Ted's Head. Ted's Head. Shouldn't it? Um, I, I think that the Colorado is going to have to revisit this, and I'm sure they're trying to, do, to revisit this um, in some quiet fashion. I just don't see the Rangers – having the wherewithal to complete that trade. If Colorado makes this trade, they've got to get the best package of players back that they can. Forget about they have to forget about the money. They've got to show something for trading their best player. Yeah. Uh, and I think there are other teams that can offer them more high profile inventory than the Rangers can. Yeah. So on the Nick Castellanos deal, so he gets four years and sixty four million. We've talked about that. How much more? How much was that out of the Rangers' price range? Listen, I think the Rangers looked at Castellanos. Uh, I, I think there were there were two things here. The the Rangers liked Castellanos. He became more of an option for them, obviously, when other guys went off the board. I don't. I never got the sense that they were absolutely in love with the that we have to have this guy, mm-hmm. and so. Do I think they were willing to go to fifteen million a year? I've gotten some mixed signals that they were willing to go that high, uh, and, and then I think when you again when you factor in the opt outs, I'm not so sure that I care about the opt outs because if he gives you if he gives you twenty million dollar production for one year and then leaves, 
So that's what? great. You've exceeded your expectations for the year. You had a, yeah. you had a great one year contract, and you move on. Um, I just think at the end of the day, the Rangers just weren't all that enamored with them. And and then it, it's going to come back to this, Kevin. I mean, we look at this lineup, and we say this team needed to address this lineup, and they've addressed it. You know, in some ways, kind of on the edges with with bringing back Robinson Chirinos and and bringing Todd Frazier in here, um, and creating an everyday spot for Willie Calhoun. But did they whiff on the free agent market for for position players this year by not getting the the big bad? On the surface, yes. The secondary vision is this team significantly upgraded its rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a good rotation makes a poor offense a little bit more palatable. So we'll see how much the pitching staff – actually takes pressure off of the offense. And I still think based on things that John Daniels was saying as as recently at this fan fest was there are some, some possibilities of guys. uh, I think Trey Mancini would be the most obvious guy out there who conversations about may extend into spring training. So uh, I think he's got to see what he's got on hand. He's got to see a healthy Kluber. He's got to see, um, that all these pitchers are healthy, and he's got to see some progress from those middle infielders before he then takes the next step. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I, I just do think that you know the, the improvements in the in the pitch in the starting rotation uh, year before last, last year, and now and going into this season were all pretty short term fixes. This is not these are not long term fixes, and so in my mind, you didn't necessarily need to go all in, but you need to go pretty close to all in. And that's what if if, if they open the season without a Trey Mancini, you know, or somebody else, another option at first base, then I think they failed. Uh maybe I don't want to well, I don't want to say failed. I'm just gonna mark down their grade. I'm 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 not gonna give them a great grade because you, you needed to you needed a significant improvement in these positions. And uh and you you can't go in, you know, halfway like that and do that. So that's my issue. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I just don't know if incremental improvement is going to get it this year or if they, need to, if, if they needed to take a bigger step, and I think only that's going to be determined by what we see on the field. But that's about all we've got on Rangers at this point. We'll, uh, I'll be with you from Surprise next week, uh, and uh, we will start the baseball season for good. Baseball season? Is baseball starting up? Next Tuesday. Wow. So for everybody in here, to everybody out there, So long, everybody. Bye. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.